Yeah, this is Stephen McCarthy from Sky Sport New Zealand. You know New Zealand? You know the seventh state or sixth state of Australia? You're listening to White Line Fever with the great. Well, he's not so great. He's got a, actually, no, he's all right. It's Steve Mascord, who apparently likes Kiss, likes ACDC, and even Van Halen. So that's not such a bad thing, because I like my glam rock too. So here it is, White Line Fever. Okay, welcome to uh, episode 33 of White Line Fever, and it's grand final week, but the people we're going to talk to first have very little to do with the grand final. I've got uh, John Bruce from Dave Gleason here from the Angels, and um, guys, you've been on hundreds of tours, but and, and you're now doing an album launch tour for Taking It To The Streets. Does it just feel like any other tour, or is there something different about this one? I'm really excited. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we did some touring last year, but this is the first touring that we've done... Uh, done with uh, a new album out so it's really exciting to get play some new songs and so I start, I'm feeling more like part of the band every t- every day now <laughs> now um, I mean you must be you must be stunned by the um, response you've got and just the awareness that's out there about the album it's absolutely amazing yeah I mean you know triple M have got right behind uh, behind our new album they're playing the new single waiting for the Sun um, you know, life's great at the moment. It's lovely having Dave with us. He, and what he just said, I completely agree. He's absolutely a member of this band. We've got you know Nick Norton playing drums, and uh, and Dave, and uh, it's just you know the I guess the, the tour we did last November, December, it was just all about introducing Dave out there to our fans all around. We did the whole country, and we we couldn't believe the acceptance because it's a big thing, you know, that they've stunned it coming into into this band and. Uh, but, you know, the thing for me is that that made the whole thing very special is that we went straight into the studio, completely unprepared, and, and made a great record, you know. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the tracks just sort of came about in there. Mm. And we haven't done that sort of thing for years. I mean, the last one took five years to record. What would have happened if you hadn't found Dave or you hadn't have got together? I mean, did you have concerns about the future of the Angels brand or did you think you would have found a way some way? Uh, I think we were. We it's hard to answer that question because uh, I don't know. You know, Rick and Rick and I are pretty close, and we, you know, we're always talking, and we always talk positive. You know, mm-hmm. and, um, but you know, I, I don't know. You know, I'm a great believer in fate or serendipity, whatever they call it. You know, Dave came on this gig, and, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, you know, those sort of options didn't come about. Yeah. Did we have worries? Absolutely. You know, it's not the first time that Doc's left the band, you know, and uh, before we've sat around waiting for him to come back, and this time we went, no, hang on, that's, we're going on. And, uh, you know, when I called Dave to see if he wanted to join, that was after we'd met, going with this accidental gig that where Dave came up and sang. Tell us about that, Dave, what, what, what actually happened? Um, where, where was it? What were the circumstances? Well, I'm a hillbilly now in, in Adelaide. <laughs> I d- dwell in the Adelaide Hills. Uh, I think in a place that John spent a bit of time running around as a young hippie in the old days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so the <laughs> there, there was a, um, a, a place called The House up in Harndorf, which is a German-settled city up there in the hills. And they were playing. It was a sit-down show with the Brewster Brothers. And I kind of found out, I, I thought you had to do dinner and a show, but I found out you could just rock up and pay to get in, and so I lobbed along and sidled me way up the front, and John said, oh, g'day Dave, how you going? And That's sort of similar circumstances to how Bon Scott ended up lead singer of ACDC, isn't he? He, was a, he just ended up driving him around Adelaide, and then he ended up the singer. <laughs> yeah, he did, yeah, I know, well that's the thing, you know, th- you, know you know, twists of fate really, you know, and, it, and it's great, you know, and I, I mean, you know, Rick and I just sort of went, you know, wouldn't it be great if Dave was singing with us? I called him up. I'm not sure how long it was afterwards, but when I first said to Dave, look, we're looking for a singer and, you know, I wonder if you'd like to sing with us, I think we were sort of offering him maybe a guest thing, you know. Mm. And uh, and I think Dave's first comment was, you've got to be kidding or something. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, oh, you know, he's not interested. <laughs> <laughs> Two he, weeks later, we were, uh, yeah. John, I had John Brewster sitting in me lounge. Right? <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I mean, what he meant was, you know, you know and he said, you know, what an honour, I, you know, cut my teeth on the Angels and I love the band. And, um, I mean, he, yeah, it's just been, it's just been a real pleasure. But mm. the first thing I did, and it made, it made, it made, 
I want to make myself sound smart, but I, I just thought the first thing, we just can't go out there and and just go through the motions of doing the old songs. Mm-hmm. We've got to do something new. So I called Alberts, Rick and I signed to Alberts, and we've got a long history with Alberts. Um, you know, back way going way back into the 70s when you know ACDC and, and us used to queue up against each other for studio time, wonderful days. I called Albert, spoke to Philip Mortlock, and I said, we need some studio time. He said, come on in. And we went straight in the studio, recorded an EP that's waiting for the sun or on, and Wounded Healer. And we revisited a couple of other songs. And then, uh, and so was, at least we had something new to offer straight mm-hmm. away. And uh, and then we decided to just jump in the deep end and go, go in there and do a, a whole album. Or see, at least see what happens. We went in the studio and nine days later we had a whole album. Okay, we're going to uh, have a song. I think it'll be off uh, taking to the streets, otherwise uh, you'd probably shoot me. So what do you want to uh, What do you want to play? Oh, let's kick it off with Waiting for the Sun. It's, I, I love it. Tell us what the song's about. What, what... You have to ask Joe Burnham. <laughs> Joe Burnham uh, is a, a friend of ours who uh, used to be the drummer in Supernaut, mm. and he wrote the lyric. Uh, and Rick and I had the lyric and we had a completely different song. It was much more atmospheric, etc. And Rick and I just we were sitting in the front kitchen of my house at Victor Harbour, mm. right on the seafront, looking at the sea, and we just got a couple of little guitar amps and got the electrics out and went, let's write an angel song. Mm. Cool. And that was the first thing that happened. And, uh, uh, and uh, so... It's something different for us. We used to write musical ideas and then we would write lyrics to go with them. And at this time we've done it on a few occasions, had the lyric. And um, uh, I never like explaining lyrics very much. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because they kind of paint pictures and, mm. and you talk about the pictures and then it's all gone.
this is Michael Starr. This is Lexi Fox. And you listen to White Lion Fever. Okay, welcome back to our grand final edition of White Lion Fever and a very uh, exciting week because not only have we just had the Angels on uh, and they'll be back, uh, John Brewster and Dave Gleason will be back in uh, the next episode, whenever that actually appears. And uh, we've also got uh, from the Melbourne Storm, Ryan Hoffman, and from the Canterbury Bulldogs, Jonathan Wright, coming up as well. Uh, and plus uh, new music uh, from the Datsuns, Lynch Mob, and Dokken. But uh, we've never actually had someone on here who's um, uh, ambidextrous in the white line fever um, sense of the word because someone who can actually talk about the music as well as the rugby league Chris Barrett here from the Herald and uh, you're making your debut in grand final week you nervous? Slightly nervous mate it's a big occasion <laughs> mate I hope I don't do a manly and what they did in the, in the semi-finals at the weekend but uh, I may be the first rugby league guest who's um Actually, have her own Faster Pussycat album, so and wearing a Tesla T-shirt. Yeah, well, I'm getting right into the spirit, mate, and I like what you've done with the studio here as well. Uh, for the listeners out there, we're sitting uh, in the pokey room at the Erskineville Hotel, one of the great inner West Sydney uh, pubs. Yeah, we're normally not uh, very shy about mixing with people, and we don't care about noise in the background. But we're both completely sober, so we've sort of got a bit bashful and gone into the pokey room at the Erskineville Hotel. Um, you mentioned Friday night and. Uh, what a scoreline. Uh, Melbourne 40, Manly 12. What, what happened? It was ugly to watch, wasn't it? I mean, I was thinking about it before, and it was like uh, watching a bloke turn up to his own wedding drunk. Um, <laughs> not that I've got any first-hand experience of that, but um, I imagine that would be the case. I mean, it was such a big stage. Uh, when you think it's Manly Melbourne, I mean, it's, 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 it's almost the grand final in a way. It's the repeat of so many big clashes that they've had over the years. And fair nickum from the start, you, you could tell they were gone. I mean, those early two knock-ons, one resulting in a try, and there was no coming, coming back from that. Um, Melbourne are the sort of team that really sees on those things. and You could tell, uh, actually, in the aftermath that the Manly players didn't know where this came from. I mean, they talked of being perplexed and, uh, and stunned. They talked of being uh, very confident in the sheds beforehand and, and, and not knowing that this... Uh, this out-of-character performance was was going to come. And, uh, you know, in, in the end, it was their downfall and, and they were never in it. They got a bit impatient in the sheds afterwards uh, with the media hanging around. Uh, they, uh, they're they not used to having the media in the rooms at all, you know, manly, because they would normally shove the media in another room, etc., etc. So they actually went, wind it up, wind it up, and they were quite cranky, a bunch of players at the end of the room trying to get the media out. Uh, at the end of their season with their season over but generally speaking they actually took the defeat in pretty good humour because it was so uh, uh, pronounced and that was also the case with South Sydney the following uh, night. Okay, uh, first, uh, well, second song, we had the Angels up first. Second song is going to be some new music from the Datsuns. Are you familiar with them at all from uh, New Zealand? uh, It's fair to say that their um, glory days are behind them, the sort of garage the garage rock uh, era where all the big bands, they had a name starting with V, that's that's gone now. Uh, but uh, I, li- I like the fact that they've stuck around and I suppose they've gone out and they've got themselves a little market overseas and now they've, they're actually working, well, a little. Um, but they're now working New Zealand, which is, I suppose, what you would do. Uh, where if, if you're from America and you fall upon hard times as badly as they have, you haven't got a home market to go back to. But a lot of bands do that. They have their little moment in the sun internationally and then they go back to their domestic market and and, and live happily. Well, happily, but poorly ever after. Their market's about as big as the car they're named after, actually, these days. (laughs) Datsuns uh, had their finest hour, really. But uh, I actually saw the Datsuns closing back to a decade ago and you like this. The opening band was the Casanovas at the zoo in Brisbane and... uh, the Casanovas have floated off the scene as well, I believe, unless unless you've been keeping up with their. Yeah, Tommy was a bit ill, but he's uh, he's back, and they're trying to get their shit back together. So hopefully, we'll see the Casanovas on the road again soon. Yeah, but I mean, I suppose the the Datsuns and, and all those bands. This is almost a uh, renaissance of that era. Now it's about ten years. That's how things go in, in cycles of music, don't they? We saw the, we saw uh, all those bands like Rat and LA Guns make a comeback in the late nineties, and here we go with. Uh, with the, the garage bands, which are kind of a little bit universal in a way. There wasn't much of a difference between a lot of them, so the, the Datsun's never really uh, piqued my interest too much, but um, let's have a listen to this song.
G'day, I'm Dave Gleeson. I'm Tom Brewster. We're from the Angels. And we're on White Lion Fever. <laughs> okay, we're back. I'm here with Ryan Hoffman. Ryan, um, some people go entire careers. We'll talk about maybe Wayne Pearce. Never play in a grand final. You've had a good run. Yeah, I'm quite lucky to um, I'll be playing in four. You get blokes like Coop and Bill have played in five. I mean, I was just having a yarn with the old man before and he just said, that's amazing, like how many people get to play in four grand finals. So really exciting and can't wait. Now, everyone's focusing on the journey of the club, I suppose, from 2009 to, to now to be in a grand final. Just for everyone involved, it's a fantastic effort to sort of fight fight their way back, isn't it? Yeah, it showed how hard we work as a group and um, how much whoever comes into our team buys into to, to what we do because uh, that's the only way you, you get success. That's the only way you get to play in grand finals if everyone buys into what you do and working towards the same goal. Have you got something in common with Will Chambers? You know, you both had the year away and you come back fresh. Yeah, look, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great for Willie, I mean, to come back from playing a, a different code to playing the GF and uh, I'm come back to do what I wanted to do. I wanted to play in grand finals again and I'm um, stoked about the opportunity. You just come from Wigan, it's definitely, it was definitely, uh, well, definitely going to be an Englishman on either side in the grand final, so that's a big, big for the game in England, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's, it's fantastic for the game in England, it's fantastic for that all these great English players want to come over and play in the NRL. So um, I'm really happy for Gaz. Um, he's, just, he's worked really hard this year and played really well and thoroughly deserves it. And uh, look, whoever we play against um, next week, they deserve it too. Last question, Ryan. You seem like you're pretty intense about your footy grand final week's tense anyway. Even the most relaxed player would get stressed in grand final week. Have you got any little uh, tricks you do for yourself to sort of keep the emotions under control? Are there things you might have learnt from previous grand final weeks that you might put into practice this week? Yeah, look, from previous years, you've got to enjoy the week. But but um, you, you, you relax. I mean, there's no point getting too excited too early. And when it's time to get on the training paddock and get in the meetings, that's when you focus on footy. But when you're away from it, you're away from it. You enjoy grand final week, everything it does, the grand final breakfast, the media. You, you enjoy it because it's good fun. Thanks, Ryan. I think they're closing the stadium. I'll let you go. No worries, Steve. Too easy. <laughs>
Hi, this is Martorian from the Bullet Boys, and you're listening to White Line Fever right here, baby. Let's just do this. Okay, that was uh, Lynch Mob with Slow Jake. I had one listen uh, to the EP, the Sound Mountain Sessions. Uh, my guest, Chris Barrett, has just... Uh, well, he, he's, he's cast a critical ear over the song while I was stepped away for a minute. Uh, what's the verdict? I'm not exactly Molly Mildrum, Steve, but, uh, <laughs> and I actually haven't listened to a lot of Lynch Mob over the years. I did have a couple of Dokken albums uh, back in the day. Um, it's a bit of an epic. It runs to about five or six minutes there, um, so I don't think the record uh, labels would be too, uh, too impressed with putting that out as a single, but... Um, uh, yeah, look, it's, you know... It's, uh, do they still have singles? Yeah, I don't think Lynch Mob do, no. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, as you'd expect, it's a bit of a vehicle for, for George Lynch, who, you know, you can't knock him, he's a, he's a fair guitar player and, and, and always was. Um, he looks like, he, I just had a look at the video, actually, uh, while we were listening to that song, and he, he looks like he's uh, visited a few tanning salons over the day, and a few gyms over He's the very, yeah, yeah, he's very buff, isn't he? I saw him on the Monsters of Rock cruise this year, and he just puts every other mu- guy his age to shame. Yeah. But apparently, uh, I, saw him, I saw him get on stage with... T- Don Dokken, or Dokken, um, in, uh, um, d- down in Anaheim um, a couple of... He's not the looking individual, is he? A couple of years ago. I'm not, gonna, I'm not casting aspersions on people's body shape, I'll tell you. But, but all I'm saying is that... Um, uh, and he said, what is it uh, with you, George? You took up uh, smoking at 50. Apparently, George Lynch took up smoking at 50 when most people are quitting. Well, maybe that's to stop him eating, perhaps. You know, that's what keeps him in shape. You know, look, look if he can get if he can get the health experts to tick that one, I think uh, I think every rock star will be doing it because, yeah, unlike the others uh, who are u- usually on the decline by about 50, he, he still looks about 35 and, and looks like he could sort of run around the block and. Uh, and, and, and knock anyone off their ball. Or, or, or play for uh, Canterbury, who <laughs> scored a 32-8 win oh. over uh, South Sydney. What a segue. It's an Anacoran oh. segue. I love that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, on Saturday night, and um, the Adam Reynolds departure at 26 minutes uh, with a uh, torn hamstring? Torn hamstring, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the end, would, would Bulldogs have won anyway? I reckon they might have, in retrospect, yeah, Steve. I... I I sort of thought uh, at the time that you know they might be able to pull through this. They were eight four ahead. I think it was about the twenty fifth minute, um, and I thought that you know Greg Inglis would probably move into more of a playmaking role, and they and they still had a bit of versatility there with uh, Nathan Peets on the bench and Isaac Luke, who perfectly capable of getting his hands on the ball. But as it turned out, that was the moment that really crueled them, wasn't it? I mean, Adam Reynolds, he's a rookie, but he means so much to that team. He's got it on a string uh, when he kicks the ball. I think that's his main um, attribute. I think he's second only to Cooper Cronk in, in terms of a kicking halfback. And in the moment where he actually got injured, it was a beautiful kick that dropped in the end goal, and, and he actually completed the tackle after he had felt a big snap in his uh, in the back of his leg. So it was unfortunate for him. But I, you know, I thought um, they let themselves down a bit in the second half as well. I mean, Sam Burgess, I thought he gave away a couple of reasonably weak penalties as well, and then they opened. Was that? I didn't think the sort of uh, the. Possible eight-point try, yeah. the late challenge. I didn't think that was bad enough to, to get it. You know, like I know that the player on the ground, it was Sam Perrett. You know, yeah. he looked at him, he, he looked daggers at him, yeah. and it's almost like th- that expression was what got Sam Burgess pinged rather than the impact. I didn't yeah. think the impact was minimal. I, I didn't think he, yeah, the impact was too bad. It was probably just the action that the referees were, were not happy about. And, uh, look, I didn't have a problem with it either way, really. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have really uh, been arguing for an eight-point try if it hadn't been given. But uh, yeah, look, it was a disappointing end to South because there was so there was so much potential there, and you know, it would have been a great story, and, and for us journalists, for a start, I mean, we would have been on on the front page of the of the Herald every day, and not the Sydney Swans. But um, uh, look, you know, they're, they're a strong side, and Reynolds will be back at the start of next year, and um, you give them every chance to, to take the extra step, I suppose. Okay, now um, your favourite um, band. Well, I don't know if it's your favourite band ever, but it's one of your favourite bands is LA Guns. So what we'll do is I, we're going to play them next, and then but we can't do that because we've got John O'Rod on after the next right. song. So what we'll do is we'll play you mentioned we'll play Dokken next. That's right. another segue, and then after um, John O'Rod, we'll play a new song off the LA Guns album. We've already played two on the program, so we've got to play so so we've got to play what I think is not in the top two of Hollywood Forever, but it's still not a bad song called Queenie. And yeah. then you you can talk about it. And then we'll talk about the grand final and a few other issues like Josh Papali. I still know 
Another fellow who's got a grand final week ahead of him, Jonathan Wright. I mean, how do you feel about it? What's it like the very start of grand final week? You got that seven days, it's eight days ahead of you. Is it scary, exciting? How do you feel? Oh, it's a bit, it's a bit daunting. Um, again, just um, just enjoying it, soaking it up a little bit, and just you know making sure you know enjoy what you can. And, and when training comes along, you, you switched on for that. So a bit of a balance, and mate, again, speechless and excited too. <laughs> how do you think? Um, you were travelling as a team when Adam Reynolds went off. What, 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 what were, you, were you on the back foot a little bit, do you think? Or? Oh, yeah. And the, uh, again, South's a quality team, and, and he, he's a big part of the team. And, um, again, we, can't, we, we didn't panic. You know, they had a pretty ball on our line, we, and we turned away a few times. And, again, when that happens, you know, we, we could sort of thought about it, you know, you know, dwell about it. But, again, we just moved on and backed ourselves and came out with the goods. A lot of ball movement from the dogs right from the kickoff. Is that the sort of thing that works against Melbourne, or is it a horses for courses thing? Yeah, again, just, you know, a different game plan each week. And you know they're a quality team, Melbourne, and they'll a lot of a grand final experience. So a bit daunting going up against them. And but you know you want to play the best teams at the end of the year. And um, so again, we'll we yeah, watch a bit of bit of footage on them. But see what happens. and see what we do next week. Finally, you know when you change clubs and you decide who you're going to go to, do you, uh, do you do you think well this club might bring me a grand final appearance, might bring me a premiership? Is it is it how big a factor is it in your decision? Yeah, well as soon as I made the decision, I was leaving. You know, I'll just took every every week. You know, as, as my last, and enjoying it because you know, I love this bunch of blokes. Even when I go, I'll be real tight mates with these boys, and I really loved it, and it was hard to leave. But um, you know, hopefully, I can just let the boys up and make sure we go out with a bang. It'll be good. So, yeah. Enjoy the week, John. Thanks, mate. Cheers, guys.
Hey, this is Nash Cato. And King Roser. We're Urge Overkill. You're listening to White, White Line, Line Fever. And uh, we just listened to LA Guns with Queenie, and I'm here with a lapsed LA Guns fan, uh, Chris Barrett of the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, what'd you think? I'm slightly lapsed, although I did by Waking the Dead a few years ago, which was exceedingly heavier than uh, anything I've ever done and quite good. But um, yeah, I don't mind that. That's, that's kind of reminiscent of the first two albums, the, that, that sort of sleazy element um, that, that got them some success, you know, uh, on the tail end of the 80s there. Um, the guitarist, the brilliantly named guitarist Stacey Blades is in, is in fine form um, throughout that. And, I, and it's good to hear Phil Lewis's uh, voice hasn't changed at all. It's a shame that Tracy's not in the band anymore. I believe he's got his, his own LA Guns. He has, although apparently he's put the, the rival LA Guns on ice. Oh, right. By the way, we had um, Lynch Mob on earlier and I didn't actually report the news that um, Robbie Crane has quit Lynch Mob. Right. Perhaps he's going to join uh, some sort of super group well, that might be floating around. I mean, he hasn't around. been in Warrant or Extreme yet, so maybe, <laughs> maybe he needs to go to those. <laughs> he is one of the great journeymen. He's the Phil Blake of fair metal, really, isn't he? I mean, um, I actually just finished reading a uh, book um, by uh, Bobby Blotzer, which didn't make its way into too many um, bookstores. And is it a good book? It's uh, it, it hasn't been edited too well. He might have done well to consult you before he put it out. Actually, but it's twenty six ninety five too. He doesn't he doesn't miss. But I guess he hasn't got rid of too many copies of it. But Robbie, Crane. he's quit Rat by the way recently. So. Has he really? Okay. Yeah. Well, so how many original members is that left? I'm yeah, not sure. I'm not sure. No. They're still putting out good music, though, you know. Like, they put out a good album a couple of years ago, um, Infestation, I think it was called. Um, so, you know, they're one of those bands. I know you like the, the older bands, what they're putting out. Yeah, but there's a... I, 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 and I sort of begrudge the ones that aren't bothering, you know, like Cinderella, who just have just gone, well... Just constantly, yeah, yeah. I'm with you, yeah, and I think, I think LA Guns are one of those bands, and um, I wasn't sort of a massive fan of all the, all the bands of that era, but... Certainly, um, I think what Rat and what Tesla and what LA Guns have put out is, is better than what um, Motley Crue have put out or, or some of the other bands who just rely on their greatest hits and, and don't really need any new songs because they, they're pulling 15 a night anyway. Yeah, uh, Kiss got a new one coming up called Monster as well and Kiss and Motley Crue may be touring Australia in January, uh, February. Two bands that do come here quite often. Is the novelty worn off, do you think, or do you think... Well, no, people will get excited, won't they? Well, I saw Motley Crue last year with Brett Michaels opening, so it's a better combo than that, I'll give you that. But, uh, and his voice was busted too, poor uh, Brett. But, um, yeah, look, I think um, Motley Crue didn't, didn't come out here for years until a couple of years ago when they somehow got a bit of a renaissance going. But... Um, you know, I think they'll still pull a crowd of the, of, of the Nathan Hindmarsh types and Eric Groth and uh, a, f- a few other non-football I ran players. into Eric Groth actually just up the street last night, actually, but uh, and he's sending me a Shinobi uh, CD, so thank you, Eric. Um, we're going to talk about the grand final in a second, but we'll talk about Josh Papali deciding that he's going to go with uh, Queensland instead of um, uh, New Zealand. This is the sad nadir of the entire debate, I think, really. I bet this is breaking your heart, isn't it? As a, as Not a really. I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm dead to the whole thing. I'm numb to the whole thing now. It's just it got, you know, absolutely uh, ridiculous. And uh, yeah. state of origin is just uh, maybe the only solution is to let guys play origin and play for other countries. I mean, it has happened in the past anyway with players who've exposed loopholes or taken advantage of. Super League Wars, <laughs> but uh, but really, I just um, I, I you know, it's just it's just beyond a joke now. Well, as you know, I'm actually a Queenslander, Stephen. I have enough trouble in the in the pubs with my mates uh, with the Greg Inglis jibes and the Israel Folau ones, and I, I throw, always throw Ken Nagus back at them, but they don't they don't seem to think that weighs up. Um, I think that they just got the the redraw of the rules wrong. They didn't go far enough, did they? I mean, they, there was this extensive rehash of the international, sorry, the um, state of origin inter, uh, eligibility rules, and I think in a in a in a, in a way they've really improved them. And, and but this situation where guys like uh, him, you know, uh, Papali and Tamo can can just pick and choose no matter where they're born or where they're raised. Um, it's not good for the international game. You know, now people move a lot. Uh, they've got different loyalties. I think they actually feel uh, affinity to different um, uh, nationalities now. They actually feel it. Um, it's not just opportunism. Um, so it's a different world. Well, origin changes the landscape of that as well, doesn't it? Because no matter where you're from, uh, a top-line footballer wants to play in that. I mean, if you could tell Benji Marshall that he could play state of origin... I bet you he would play. Uh, whether he would give up the uh, New Zealand 
captaincy in New Zealand eligibility for that, I don't know. But I mean, all those guys, no matter where they're from, they're desperate to play. Sam Burgess has, talks about it before Origin, you know how much he would love to play in it. So you can't begrudge Josh Papali and, and, and the like. I mean, they, they want to play in, in the pinnacle of, of, of the sport. It's just, it's up to the administrators to protect uh, the international game by getting some guidelines set in place where maybe he can't do that. There's a game on this weekend that is slightly more important than the following Sunday's uh, match at Bass Hill between uh, Lebanon and uh, the Cook Islands, and it's uh, Canterbury taking on Melbourne, believe it or not. Uh, should be, I've just heard about that one. should be interesting. Um, what are your thoughts? The curtain raiser to Lebanon against the Cook Islands, is it? <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. There's so many elements to this, isn't there? I mean, and None of which any of the participants will talk about. No, that's, that's the problem, but... Um, <laughs> As, you know, as, a, as someone reporting on it like, and having to draw up sort of idealists for, uh, for my editors, and uh, it's, it's quite easy. You know, you, you know, you've got Hazler against Bellamy, you've got Barber against Slater, you've, you've got the situation where Des has, has somehow resurrected this club, not that they were in the, in the depths of in the bottom of the competition, but they, they weren't going well, and he's, he's just absolutely um, found a new way to play football, really, that short-passing, electrifying style, and the best thing about this showdown is it's the best two teams of the, of the season. I know we all wanted, I guess, uh, spiritually and in, in our hearts, the South Sydney to get through. Even if you weren't a South Sydney fan, it would have been a great story. But uh, this is the best of the best, and uh, you know I can't wait for it. It's impossible. Well, it's impossible to tip with any confidence. I think also, or do you have confidence about your tip? Well, I haven't got a tip. Um, you're gonna, yeah, you're going to have. You're going to need one shortly. Um, it is pretty impossible to, to, to have a tip about it. I, I think Canterbury are slight favourites, and um, I think if Canterbury play to their, to their potential, that's fair enough. I mean, I, I think they can get up just. Um, they seem to have more firepower, but there's also a few um, discrepancies in their defence, I thought, against South Sydney, which made me think that they wouldn't want to repeat them against Melbourne, who are the sort of team that will pounce just as they did against Manly. Uh, if you're asking for a tip, um, the Bulldogs by four. I'm actually tipping the Bulldogs uh, by two. Um, thanks for coming on the program, Chris. Now, I've got an idea for next week's program. Um, I thought for Mad Monday we would record a segment every hour and see if there's any... But, but, you know, but actually, we talked about this last time. I don't know if we talked about it on air, as it were. There's no air involved, is there, in the internet? <laughs> but, but what about recording the, the next week's program in reverse? So we walk into the pub at 1 o'clock on Mad Monday and we record the last segment. And then we rec- then an hour later we record the second last segment and then the third last the fourth last so so we so we we get sober as the program goes on. Do you like that idea? Are we dressing up like Nathan Hindmarsh as well? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Parramatta. Uh, he actually he was he was wearing white line fever outfit, wasn't he? <laughs> I don't mind it actually. Uh, we're on the diet cokes tonight, so uh, potentially the show will be even better next week if we if we if we go schooner for schooner uh, for each segment. But uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, if you are. Okay, that's what we're doing next week. We are going to record. We're going to get soberer as the um, as the as the program goes on. We're going to walk in to the pub at one o'clock, and before our first drink, we're going to record the first, the last segment of the show, and then we're going to do it in reverse. Okay, you get a request, oh, Chris. Uh, you're better qualified than most to uh, to have a request. What do you want? So, in the theme of classic bands who have put out good releases uh, in recent history, I'm going to go for uh, one of Robbie Crane's other bands, Rat. Uh, from an album they did a couple of years ago and the song is Best of Me. Excellent. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me, mate.
Michael Monroe here for White Line Fever and Dig Michael Monroe Sensory Overdrive, the album, the band. You get a chance, come and check us out live. We're gonna rock your socks off and whatever, rock like fuck. That's what I say, okay? <laughs> come on down and rock on. 